Hello divine souls, Jamila Bernie here with Becoming the Big Me. I'm so excited for this special segment of the Becoming the Big Me podcast. This section of the podcast is dedicated towards sharing the stories of conquest for some incredible individuals. They are also featured in my latest book, Becoming the Big Me, The Great Conquest. In this section of the podcast, we will dive deep into each of their stories and their journeys and their hardships from addiction, PTSD, loss of loved ones and children. This segment of the podcast is dedicated towards sharing their stories and and sharing their journeys, not only of the hardships, but sharing how they overcame. To learn more about the authors behind the stories that you are going to hear, go to thegreatconquest.com. And if you would like to purchase a copy of The Great Conquest book, you can go to bit.ly slash greatconquest. And without further ado, let's dive into the amazing journeys. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Becoming the Big Me podcast. I'm your host, Jamila Bernie, and today we have another episode of our Becoming the Big Me, the Great Conquest section. And I'm so excited to introduce our guest with you here today. I have Dr. Francis Malone. Dr. Francis Malone is a pioneer in the field of integrative pediatric medicine and holistic education for parents. She is a healthy families advocate and offers holistic support for conscious families and naturally healthy kids through the Intuitive Parents Collective, her podcast, the Intuitive Parents Podcast, and her practice, Malone Pediatrics. As with anyone chasing their dreams, there will be obstacles along the way. Frances is no stranger to these obstacles and has encountered many on her journey, but throughout it all, she has continued to get back up and keep going. I'm so excited to have Dr. Malone on today to tell us about her journey, who she is, what she does, and how she is overcoming her fears, even currently right now. Hey, Francis, thank you so much for joining us. Jamila, thank you so much for having me here on your podcast. I'm delighted to be here and uh, to share some of my journey so that perhaps it helps someone else along the way. I'm so excited. I know. I know a lot of your journey, Francis, but I would love it if we could just dive right in. And can you just give the audience uh, a little bit of your backstory and history so they can kind of understand who, who is Dr. Francis Malone? Sure. Thank you. Um, well, I'm a pediatric nurse practitioner and started my practice in hospital care and then, uh, had this crazy idea that I would feel more fulfilled and be able to be more fully available for my children if I started my own solo practice, which at the time, 10 years ago, um, really, really people aren't doing that. And all of the other providers that I talked to both in the hospital and outside of it, were just like, Francis, that's a dead horse, don't do it. Uh, But I really felt that um, 
creating my own practice where the flavor of how I wanted to support parents could really shine was where my heart was. So uh, spending time getting to uh, look at my fears and look at places where I didn't believe in myself or where I had these limiting beliefs uh, was a, a great beginning to a lifelong journey of doing that. And um, by facing some of those fears in some ways out of naivete, in other ways out of just uh, pure fearlessness and other ways by taking the support and help of other people I launched my own pediatric practice in 2016 while I was still working in a pediatric surgery program. So I started it as a part-time thing that helped me feel better about how I was um, able to test the waters a little bit. And once I did that and felt like I had my feet on, I wouldn't say firm footing, but had a, my feet on some kind of ground, I left that hospital practice and started my own private practice where I get to really share with parents in the joy of raising their kids and supporting them while they do a remarkable job. So that was probably one of the biggest places where I pushed myself to really leap forward and um, look at the edge of a cliff. After being in that place for three or four years, I started to uh, really start getting, um, I guess, just this interest and need to keep looking at this idea of starting a wellness sanctuary that involved lots of acreage and the ability for people to come to that place, adults and children, for their own personal self-care journey, which for me was a place that I was really supporting myself in my, I don't know, trying to become the big me, Jamila. I'm not there yet, but that's where I'm heading. Um, and so by taking the opportunity to do self-care for myself, I was able to start caring about myself more and loving myself. And then I realized that I'm more available for my own children and my own family. So this uh, idea of starting a wellness sanctuary just started to percolate. And then a piece of property landed in my lap, which was another chance to really close a door and say no, and to feel like I, you know, give in to my fears, but I, again, sort of tried to support myself in all the ways that I had learned so far, and then to require myself to lean out over that edge and trust that I could believe, start believing in myself in another way to do something a little bit more publicly. And that project is coming to, it's almost launched. We are about to open those doors and um, it's a, we're in a very exciting time for it right now. But then I uh, met this amazing woman who, Jamila Burney, who wanted to help me to do the next giant thing for Francis Malone, which was to 
go after a dream of really being able to provide support for parents that I couldn't actually get into in my own office because of the location on Bainbridge Island in Washington. I realized that the information that I have and my perspective on supporting parents in raising their children and actually even just seeing their children or seeing themselves was very different and valuable for the parents in my practice and valuable perhaps for people outside of my current network. So uh, that was my most recent place of really having to, again, face fears and ideas that I had about myself that are not true, that I made up as being edges to who Frances is and who she can be and who she can become. And uh, I have to say that, that I hope that journey is never over for me and that I always keep pushing myself a little bit more to expand what I have to offer, expand the love that I have to offer and to receive people and their intentions with. So yeah, that's the most recent giant uh, leaning forward into trusting myself and learning about myself and then finding the people to support me. Thanks for asking. May I ask what what was the the major fear or what is the major fear that you find yourself facing as you go to embark on the next level or the, the next step in your journey? Oh God, I think this is one I share with so, so many people, but mm -hmm. absolutely I will tell you, it's the fear of not being enough, mm -hmm. the fear of uh, not knowing enough, the fear of not having the personality, not having the looks, not having the, yeah. It's one that um, I think I have in common with 50% of the population or more. That's true, it's true. So, yeah. so even while you're having these feelings, which exactly you're saying so many of us have, I know I have them all the time myself as well. How do you get yourself to, to show up anyways and, and face that fear because that can be something that can be crippling for, for many people. Yes. Um, well, Jamila, I have incorporated into my life little places and things that I do to show myself that I care about Francis. Some of those things are occasionally having body work or massage done I try to work it into my life so that I do it on definitely a monthly basis, sometimes every two weeks, partly because of my own traumatic, um, physical, the traumatic life history. I actually needed and have used massage to help me to become a embodied person. So um, after having had history, things happen in my life where I needed to leave my body. Um, I have found that part of my healing journey has involved getting massage on a regular basis where there is uh, a touch that you can predict and you know that it is healing touch and um, has helped me to come back into myself as a person. I have used and continue to use yoga to help me to ground my parasympathetic nervous system that 
can easily get torched just like everybody else's into fight or flight. Um, I take my shoes off and ground myself as often as possible in nature or sit myself down in nature even if just shoes doesn't, I mean, just bare feet doesn't work. And I try not to look at the whole beast, right? So I think there's a saying um, that, how do you eat an elephant? And you can only eat it one bite at a time. And that is true for probably everything or challenge that I've ever given myself is just, you know, stabilize myself, support my emotional self that is feeling dysregulated and out of control and worried and fearful and anxious. And then try to make a list or formulate in my mind, what are the pieces that are required for that? And I, are they things that I need to do? Or are there people who can help me and either partner with me or that I employ to help offload me having to learn all the things. So that's actually one of the more recent things that I have learned is that uh, using other people's strengths to allow me to stay in my zone of genius actually allows me to soar higher, but have to still support that core anxiety things, those little trigger things that show up for me. You still gotta support that part of yourself uh, while you lean a little bit further forward and just trust that you're gonna be able to do it. I'm curious if, if some of, uh, of your experience or your history has influenced your interest in some of the cranial sacral work that you do. Mm. <laughs> uh, I would say absolutely, absolutely. My, uh, work with babies and young children doing craniosacral uh, therapy comes from my traumatic childhood. I think that part, I had a beautiful, beautiful childhood in so many ways, but emotionally I felt I had to be hyper vigilant and to be hyper aware of the emotional and energetic environment that I was in. And that the experiences that led me to use that coping skill or that hypervigilance actually are one of the biggest gifts that I have and use in my practice, which is the ability to energetically read a child or a family. And it's a skill that I couldn't go to school for that. You couldn't go and have somebody say to you, be in a room with a family and be able to say the one thing that's on people's minds that they haven't even told you yet, mm -hmm. right? So that's part of my practice. And then with craniosacral, I actually put my hands on children or on their energetic field mm -hmm. as well as their parents and uh, provide support for them to either deal with a transition or um, support them in being able to talk about something or being able to experience or feel something. So my uh, own history, people talk about this resilience that we develop um, by having had hard lives and uh, 
I absolutely um, believe that there is a place along a person's journey where you can finally look back and see that it didn't just require resilience, but it also our coping skills that we have developed then become this asset. And when you are becoming more secure in your attachments with people and more secure and able to love yourself, then you can look back and start to see that those former, former coping skills that we tend to put in air quotes in a negative connotation actually are this gift that you also have to offer. So it's both, right? This two-sided sword. Um, so when I look back at my life, I, I do see places where things were hard, but I also see that they have given me uh, lots of beauty in my life. Yeah, I, I, I also believe that in life, a lot of times the hardest obstacles uh, for us to overcome are the most challenging situations in the moment can teach us some of, of the greatest lessons. Can you share with us a little bit about some of the lessons that you have learned through the hardships of your journey? Mm -hmm. I think I can. <laughs> We're absolutely patient. <laughs> um, I wasn't prepared for that lovely. <laughs> So um, there's a lot of back explanation that might be necessary for my answer, but I'm gonna go ahead and give the answer and we can see how much more would be necessary for people. So as a person that grew up as a child with an insecure attachment to my parents um, and the feeling of lack of control in my life, and the events of my life and how things will transpire moving forward. I developed these coping strategies of number one, hypervigilance to the energetic room. Are the, all the people doing okay or is somebody mad? Is somebody angry? What, what can I do to mitigate that, that whole hypervigilance? As well as um, a distrust or a fear of not being loved or accepted. And this is not my parents or my siblings' responsibility. That's, that's owned fully by me, that I had that fear or that um, perspective. And so in part, read each of the things that they did in life as indicators of not caring or not loving. Or So you, we, we tend to, when we are living within a mental framework, we tend to uh, read things in our external environment that support our, whatever our main subconscious uh, rhetoric or line of thinking is. And I, when I look back on my life now, can see how I was an active player in not just reading people, but also in little ways rejecting their their attention and their advances too, right? So uh, as I have 
uh, been on, it's a very long journey, Jamil. So <laughs> I have been on this journey. Uh, I have really come to take responsibility for some, my own responses to other people and now know that when I read something as being uh, oh, indicative of that that person doesn't care about me or that this is, oh, right, this is some fear jumps up for me, right? That my job now as an older, much older Francis Malone is to look at that through the lens of who I am now and say, is that, is that actually true or is it just nonsense based on your old stuff? And then I get to have a dialogue with myself about, yeah, so that's actually not really true. And if I wanted to know if it's true, I can ask the person. I can say, are you angry with me? And frankly, most of the time they say, no. Oh, you're not angry with me. You're having your own life. You're having your own emotions about your stuff. And I'm busy reading too much into them, right? So, uh, yeah, that's a real personal information. But <laughs> now I uh, do a lot of that. Do a lot of... Um, self-counseling about, sure, that's good information. I see that somebody is upset. I see that they're upset. It doesn't relate to me. Is there any way that I am partly responsible for that? And how do I want to show up for them, right? If I am responsible or how can I show up for myself in just saying, you know what, they're allowed to be angry. They're allowed to do whatever they need to. They're allowed to uh, have their own experience of life. And then I do my own self calming and self support to not uh, be reactive, right? Because we live in a world of people reacting and reacting to other people's stuff. And it's really because we haven't dealt with our own child trauma or own internal fears. What are some of the things that have helped you maybe and and you can they can just be activities um but what are some of the things that have helped you to even understand what those childhood fears are and also face them mm. right because i can tell you that i my first response to any situation that i don't I am fearful of is kind of like a whinnying racehorse. Like I will look at it out of the corner of my eye, stomp my feet back up, take a breath and kind of like, this is just how I approach challenges or used to approach challenges in my life. And it's not very effective. So um, let's see the, some of the things that I do and have done, I think that, so number one, it is always really, really hard to turn back around and look in the past and to see the things that we're afraid of. It really is. But if someone had told me that looking back and loving that little girl and seeing that at six, she really didn't have the ability to necessarily be heard by the adults, necessarily change life experiences for herself and her sister, then, and if they told me that by doing that, 
and just showing her love and just saying, you were just a little kid. I think that's the first stop, start. And for me, I had already been doing this body work, right? So as a disembodied person, I needed to do body work and I needed to start feeling like my knees as being part of my body and that when they hurt, I should listen to them, not just push myself through it, right? And I was a whipping myself and pushing myself through obstacles and physical demands because I couldn't feel what my body was saying about those things, which I think is socially acceptable because people are like, oh wow, look at this person, they can overachieve. But really the, what I was doing is just overcompensating with coping skills. So um, after doing some of that, uh, I guess, self-care stuff, then finally saying, I don't wanna move forward in my life in this uh, stuck, a little bit unhappy, person's life anymore and that I actually need to turn around and look at how I got here and understand that it's not the child's fault that I have all these coping mechanisms. It's not my younger self's fault that things happened or played out the way they did, that that was probably the key thing for me is that that actually allowed other things that I had, I actually didn't even remember to burble forward and me to be able to have a tiny bit more of objectivity about them, right? And having a tiny space of objectivity about something that's so deeply personal um, can help us to reconcile it. And the more we do that and the more reconciling and the more releasing of things that have been stuck, the better we get at it. And there is beauty and joy at the other end of that horrible tunnel or the abyss or whatever you want to call it and that's where I am now which is oh I wouldn't change my life for anything and I'm so <laughs> glad I went through it the work is worth it yeah so how has how has doing that work and really facing facing what that trauma is facing those fears how has that influenced where you are today and the work that you are doing today with, with other families? Well, so I never even imagined that it was possible to wake up in the morning and to feel sheer joy at being alive and getting to do this day. And that's where I am right now. And the fact that I wake up that way and I approach the people in my life that way most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time. And I'm able to see people with my own love for them and to see places where they are asking for support. Um, it's changed my world completely. And really amazing heart-centered open people are showing up in my life. And I get to uh, guide people on their own journey uh, towards joyful wellness out at uh, that Dogfish Moon Sanctuary, which is my practice there. It's totally outside of medicine, but part of holding people's uh, integrity for them, with them, helping them map out a journey of things that could be helpful for them. A whole banquet of things that you could choose from to help start. And um, it's also allowed me to 
I guess, expect more of myself and trust myself more, right? So as I um, have worked on and healed a lot of that old stuff, and I am by no means fixed or, <laughs> but, it, but but the fixing is from inside myself, right? It's not for someone else to do. And I am on a journey of becoming a better and better me always. So, but as I am right now, I am able to, you know, ask more of myself and say, really, is that something that is true? Absolutely about you, Francis Malone. Like, can you not get above the second rung on a ladder? This five-year-old kid doesn't believe that. Do you really believe it? And then I just like did it. I got a better ladder and I could get to the top, right? So like busting through, then you become this fearless like uh, edge buster, which is maybe who I am now. And, <laughs> uh, you know, or things like I used to not really get in freezing cold water because I told myself it just didn't feel good to myself. And actually try it again because you don't even know whether you like that anymore. And it turns out I love getting into freezing cold rivers now. <laughs> um, but I, but you know, eight years ago, that wasn't the story. 10 years ago, it was absolutely not the story. Uh, so I think that having gone through and started the work of, of reassembling who I am and re-understanding who I could be has given me lots of strength and the ability to see these limiting ideas that I've had about myself as really constructs of either my life or other people in my life or, but they're not really necessarily me. They're just ideas about who I was. Something that you brought up was doing some of the work that you have been doing on the farm at, at Dogfish Moon. And I, I love that you bring that up because something that has really helped me is doing work in the garden and doing physical work uh, as I'm working through my, my own mental stuff. Um, is it has the farm and that whole venture with the physical labor and having to <laughs> exert yourself and build things. I mean, I know you have so much going on there. Has that, helped you in your own process? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And by, so just by you being in your garden and working and doing hard work, you're like hitting so many levels of places of self-care. Well, how I vision self-care. Lots of people think of it differently, but being out in nature, being really just digging in dirt, using your body, learning to use your body, right? Because so for some of us, it may be that doing gardening or for me digging, <clears throat> excuse me, digging holes or moving gravel, I haven't had a lot of personal experience in doing that. I certainly never uh, moved a whole two tons of gravel before ever in my life. But I got to be out there one-on-one -on -one with some loads of gravel and buckets and shovels. And I'm out in nature, which is one of the best places for us to be really uh, doing our self-care and healing. And then I'm using my body and that physical exertion is, is helpful in one aspect. And then the other aspect is having seen yourself move a bunch of dirt or plants or whatever the thing is, you then 
learn that, oh, well, I can do that. I, it, it's not just that I need to rely on other people or wait around for someone to come and help me or to quote unquote, save me. I really, boy, it's possible that I should just write down all of the crazy ideas that I had. Like I thought mm-hmm. people need to come save me or like, who's going to come help fix this thing for me. And that's like really no longer my story. It pops up occasionally, but um, that's not a working parameter for me anymore. And probably has to do with doing a lot of gravel moving and dirt moving and uh, organizing of um, where we're gonna put things and being Mm -hmm. outside doing it. Yep, so you're totally right. Gardens are so therapeutic and being in nature and doing any hard work, I guess. Well, and it's funny because we actually met on building a yurt on Francis's property for Dogfish Moon. And there was a lot of lessons that we collectively learned, I feel like, as a unit through that process of one, I don't think any uh, anyone there had ever built a yurt before. <laughs> And trying to collectively move um, (laughs) in a way that the structure stays, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just so incredible the, the lessons that we can learn through doing these different activities and for for you being like hey I'm going to build this yurt I'm not exactly sure how Uh, and then making you know a post on Facebook calling calling out to the collective ask seeking help because that's a big that's a big fear for a lot of people to overcome as well is the the ability to even ask ask others to join in and to help move you forward on your mission. Absolutely. I think that that gets people stuck so, so often, not just in uh, their own lives, but in their own uh, businesses and all aspects. I think that people don't realize that if you don't ask, nobody can show up. And that is a huge lesson that I learned from that yurt raising is uh, we asked for help and so many people showed up who I never even knew. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I didn't know most of the people there. I knew one person and then I kind of knew another person. And everyone else was a brand new face to me who heard about us through Facebook or through some, uh, maybe also Instagram. And they showed up because they were interested in helping because we asked. And I, uh, and I see that reverberating in my own life is, oh, wait, Francis, you're sitting here waiting for help. Did you ask? Did you lean over and ask anybody? Did you move into that vulnerable place of asking for help so that someone can say, yes, oh, I could help you. Just like when somebody asks each of us for help and we don't mind helping, we love to help, right? But I think we forget to turn it around and say, oh, if somebody asked me to you know, help them move a couple pieces of thing from one place to another. And I have a truck and I wouldn't mind doing it. I'd be glad to help, but we don't, a lot of times we just don't ask. Mm. Ask for hugs, ask for, you know, forgiveness, ask for help, ask for all of it. I I love that. And I want to highlight there is 
how do you feel when someone else asks you for help? You feel good. You enjoy, people generally enjoy helping another person. Um, it, it does make them feel good. And so something that has helped me personally reframe and actually ask for help more when, when I need to is to remind myself that by not asking for help, I'm actually robbing other people um, of the experience of getting to help because that's something that we all love to do. Yes, absolutely. I think that, uh, and we are also uh, partly responsible for the walls and the tower that we build around ourselves if we don't ask, right? Because you haven't allowed people in, you haven't allowed them the opportunity to say, I love that you asked, I'm not available today, or I can't help in that way, but could I help in this other way, right? But when we live in fear of not being enough or um, not caring for ourselves, I think that that sort of underpins the whole fear of asking for support. But when we do it, we get to see people show up for us. If you, so you have gained so much experience over your time of having your own practice and serving families and, and everything else that you are embarking on um, through your farm and what you're doing with the Intuitive Parents Collective and your podcast. Um, if you could rewind back into time and, and give yourself one piece of advice from the knowledge that you have gathered back when you were first starting your solo journey, what would that be? It would be to believe in yourself and your idea and uh, maybe give yourself a little bit more grace and understanding. Yep. And I thought about that this morning too, about how I need to remind myself of that. Even now, right? The, the me right now also needs to hear the same thing that the me years ago needed to hear, which is that, uh, I guess just doing, just leaning forward and trying to get to your dreams are gonna get you to a way better place than you are right now. Or you're gonna have dreams that you never tried to, to manifest. I love that you bring up, you know, how that's still something that you deal with because it truly is a journey that, that there's no there's no destination, right? Like what's the what's the destination at the end? When does it end? Well, that's when you're no longer here. Uh, okay, I guess I want to say I would also let my younger <laughs> self know, write down the lessons, right? Because yeah. you them down, you're going to need them. You need them <laughs> again and again and again and again. Mm -hmm. and I just had written them down like, okay, give yourself a little bit more love and understanding. I could have heard that two days ago when I really needed it. And I was mucking around in not real muck this time, but just like <laughs> quagmire of self you know, whatever, all the things that I'm not, you know, I don't feel that I had done well enough, right? And they're actually kind of nonsense. 
but I needed to hear it again. So write this stuff down and put it somewhere or place it, like remind yourself or set a timer so that in three months you're gonna remind yourself that you need, give yourself a break and, uh, you know, I guess be optimistic and to be loving of yourself and other people. And I don't feel like you could go wrong with that. So, oh, wow, we have covered so much and there's so many different, there's so many different fears that, that go into stepping into your purpose and that go into chasing your dreams. And exactly as Francis has shared with us today is that's a, that's a process that's it's not going to stop there's always going to be a new layer there's always going to be a new level especially if you are continuing to try to grow especially if you are continuing to try to go after new things new and exciting things which Francis has done Francis can you can you just this is like promo time right here. Can you tell us a little bit more about like what all of the amazing things that you are doing today um, and, and kind of what's going on in your realm now? Cause there's so much. Okay. <laughs> Gorgeous. Love the opportunity to let people know. So I have a private practice called Malone Pediatrics where I get to support parents to raise children in the most simple, naturally, pharmaceutically minimized way that they desire. Um, and that's a practice that's located on Bainbridge Island as well as in Port Townsend, Washington. And it is a primary care practice as well as a specialty practice where I see children for behavior issues as well as um, kids who are, um, have special needs. And then uh, Dogfish Moon, which is a wellness sanctuary, you can find it at www.dogfishmoon.com. There, um, we are supporting the growth of adults in their mind, body, and spirit with access to nature and Epsom salt floating pools, not tanks, the big giant uh, ones that you can stand up in and not feel claustrophobic. And that's also located in Washington, that's in Polesboro, Washington on 77 acres. And that's the farm that Jamila was referring to. We have a yurt and uh, a bathhouse and a giant farmhouse. We'd love to see you there if you make it up to the Northwest. Um, those float pools are my way of um, providing a mechanism for people to decrease the pharmacologic burden that I see is just rampant in adults and their, um, what they need in order to function. Floating in Epsom salt reduces pain. It helps with recovery and athletics, reduces anxiety, reduces depression. And it also boosts people's creativity because it puts your brain in the theta state that meditation also does, but you can do it while lying in a pool of Epsom salts. Uh, and then the Intuitive Parents Collective, which is, oh, my brand new baby. Uh, there I get to support parents across the country, across the globe in changing what I see as their fundamental perspectives about children. And, uh, and also with all the mundane 
things that come up in life or the difficult challenges that the parents have in managing kids. So um, there's different parts of it. One is the uh, Intuitive Parents podcast, which is a weekly podcast that I will be hosting other people who are making changes in uh, the world of pediatrics um, and supporting parents and kids. And then there is the Intuitive Parents Collective, which is a group online program where parents get to get one-on-one, I mean, get support from me as a group, as well as have the opportunity to get one-on-one support with me. So check that out. That's at theintuitiveparentscollective.com. And uh, through either any of those mechanisms, you can reach out to me. Thanks. And Francis also has an incredible uh, gift for you guys as well through her 14-day shift challenge. Um, So I will be including that link in the description as well. And this, Francis, can you share a little bit about your your gift for our audience today? Oh, absolutely. So I um, wanted to share with parents something that they can implement uh, actually just by hearing about it. And it has the power to really help families to decrease the amount of chaos and uh, meltdowns and tantrumy behavior that they experience on a day-to-day basis. And it's not because we're, um, you know, putting the kids in timeout or anything like that. We're actually helping the parent to change their own internal, uh, internal energetic space so that they can be more available for their kiddo and, kids feel that and then all of a sudden they just feel more secure in where their parent is right now and how the parent can show up so we guide you through um, these 14 days of learning the process and then uh, getting support from me over those days to remind of important parts of it as well as a journal in order to keep notes so that you can remind yourself about it later and um, tasks that help to keep the learner on target. So yeah, thanks for mentioning that. I forgot about that, but that's at mygiftfromfrancis.com. Yeah, and that is such an incredible resource uh, that's completely free for um, all of the digital versions, but she does also have a a physical journal that can be purchased as well if you prefer to to write down your answers, which if you guys are a fan of, uh, of me and my teachings, you know how much I believe in the power of pen to paper and the power of physically writing down uh, things with your hand and how that helps to create the subconscious link and really solidify the lessons that you are learning. Um, so I highly suggest that y'all go and check out Francis's website at francismalone.com. Check out all of the amazing resources that she has and most definitely take advantage of her offer for the amazing free resources that she's providing through um, the 14 day shift at mygiftfromfrancis.com. And I will also, as always, be 
including in the description down below all of Francis's social medias um, and other important links so that you guys can continue to connect with Francis and watch her journey as she continues to face her fears uh, by putting herself out into the world through through the internet really for the, mainly the first time through the Intuitive Parents Collective and the Intuitive Parents Podcast. It's really exciting journey to witness and to watch um, as she just continues to ex be an example for what it means to become the big me, to continue to face those fears, to continue to take the next step and to continue to put herself out there uh, in a way that can definitely be scary. Thank you so much, Francis, for coming on and sharing your journey with us today. Thank you, Jamila. I have just really loved this opportunity and uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of the Becoming the Big Me podcast. I know that you found value in hearing this story today and I would love if you could show your support by going and grabbing a copy of our book and you can do so by going to bit.ly slash great conquest. You can also go to www.thegreatconquest.com for more information about each of the individuals involved in this process. Thanks again for tuning in.